0: Now, here's everybody's favorite millennial,
1: Adam
0: Crowley, on ESPN Pittsburgh. You have
2: found The Crowley Show, where your mom listens and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of Dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we doing radio up in here. Make sure to follow Shirtless Tom on the Twitter.com at ButtonPusher970. Brian LaMartina at FBomber73. Brian's out and about. Don't know where he is. But Tom is back in the studio. And one of the big topics of the day, the controversy that is swirling around Trobe, is Ed Bouchette. In his battle with Antonio Brown, Ed tweeted out yesterday that A.B. was limping in practice, and A.B. called him a clown on Twitter, and he wasn't tagged in the tweet. So it brings up this topic of conversation for me. Do you Google yourself, and do you search your own name on Twitter? Tom, do you Google yourself? I have Googled myself before. What I've comes done up? Kind of Really, just a bunch of pictures from maybe like my Facebook page, or or like an old picture that was in some like guide of JV basketball in Mount Lebanon in 2010 will pop up, but uh, I, nothing like like really incriminating against me pops up. There's an Adam Crowley photographer that has a website that it always used to pop up before, and now I've taken him over as the uh, most famous probably isn't the right word, but the most prominent Adam Crowley. I've jettisoned ahead of him in the race for numero uno Adam Crowley. Oh, I'm so envious of that because there's this Thomas Opferman lawyer who comes up before me all the time, and that my, I, I live to pass Tom Opferman the lawyer on the Google searches. I wouldn't think Opferman is that common of a last name. It actually kind of is. You'd be surprised. I, I mean, a lot of people or hear of a lot of people with the same last name that I'm not related to. What's your dad's name? Opferman first name? George. What's your mom's first name? Chrissy. And what's your social security number? Six four eight two nine seven eight four two eight four one. That's like three extra digits. I think I have an extra one. An extra couple digits on mine. Because you're so young? I get extra money. That must be it. Tom, I search myself on Twitter all the time. That's, a, that's a slippery slope to go down, man. It I, w- I would it not isn't. be doing that if I were you. Why not? Uh, you're going to see something you don't want to see. How do you know that? Because I search your name all the time. Do you really? Sometimes I do. What comes up? It's mostly good stuff. Mostly fans. There's some jackasses on there, too, let's say. Really? Yeah, sometimes. You said you do it. You don't see them? I choose to look at everything as a learning experience, so I don't look at it negatively. If someone's ripping me, I think, oh, you know, I'll do something better. Or, oh, hey, they don't get the show. See, I just, it just slides right off my shoulders, man. I'm not a sensitive guy at all. That's why you're the host and the best host in Pittsburgh sports radio. I'm pretty sure I'm incredibly sensitive. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. I may or may not have just ripped one at Dino's here in La Trobe, and it stanks. It's because I had twelve of their wings. They are delicious. Come on by if you're here for the last day of camp. Say hello. We've got nothing to give away, but you can give me and Wes a hug. And Wes will be hosting the show tonight from 7 o'clock until 9 with Matt Williamson. I'll be sitting in for the first half hour just to ease the transition. Just give the young guys some pointers. You're my age, and you can do it yourself. So I don't know why I'm going to be doing it, but I'm going to do it anyhow. But come on by the Dino's. They do the beer in the frozen glasses. It makes it taste better. Best way to do it doesn't. I, I don't know if it's a placebo thing, but it's so good. No, because the beer comes out of the tap cold already, and then it just keeps getting colder and colder because it's like it's sitting in its own personal refrigerator. Wow, so you're saying it gets colder that way. I believe so. And then it also creates a longevity of coldness as well. <laughs> There's a big science behind this. John Taffer could, could explain it a lot better. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Neil Huntington, not available for comment today, so we're going to go with Taffer with the biometric data that suggests that it is colder, in fact, if you drink from one of those frozen glass, I mean, what do you... Yes, obviously it's colder if you drink from a frozen glass, Tom. What are the... Okay. Different line of conversation now. What are the most refreshing things in the world? Oh. Huh. Because to me, a beer... In one of those frozen glasses is just about as good as it gets. I don't know. This is going to sound lame, but when you're really, really thirsty, an ice, ice ice-cold cup of water is one of the most refreshing things in the world. And we talked about this on the show before. Milk. An ice-cold cup of milk is one of the most refreshing things to have in the world. Glass of milk. You don't call it a cup of milk? Cup of water, glass of milk. There's a difference? Without a doubt. You don't drink a cup of milk. That's ridiculous. Why? Do you drink a cup of beer? Or a glass of beer. It's just a glass of beer. Or a cup of beer. I don't think so. I think it's the same thing. No. I think a glass is a cup, and a cup is a glass. Solo cup is a solo cup. A glass, glass is glass. I don't know. I think you're wrong I think you're being too... I think you're overanalyzing this. Waking up at, like, 7 in the morning after a night of just pounding alcohol and going into the bathroom, urinating, and then sticking your face under the faucet, (laughs) that is pretty darn close to being as refreshing as it gets because your mouth is all dry, your urine comes out and it's basically glowing because you're so dehydrated. That drink of water is, in my mind, the number one drink of water out of all of the drinks of water that there could possibly be. Yes, I agree completely. A lot of the times when I'm hungover in the morning and I crack open a bottle of water, I just start to chug it and then kind of like open my mouth wide and just let it kind of pour down my entire body. It's reawakening. One of the things that happens here at Steelers Training Camp is in the lobby, they've got a fridge with all these mini bottles of water. So you hope that you made proper decisions getting drunk the night before, and when you wake up, you hope that you roll over and there's going to be four or five glasses of water there, or, pardon me, bottles of water. See, now I did it to myself. And this morning what I found out was, no, there's not. And I wasn't about to put clothes on and go down the hall and have to see people in that state. So what I did was I just went to the sink and put my face under the faucet and drank that way. Do you do that? Do you just let the water go into your mouth, or do you cup your hands and go that way? Uh, it depends on how deep the sink goes, like how deep Great the indent of the sink is. Because sometimes you can't fit your head down there and, and get a good flow of water. You need to go with the cup. But if it's got a deep enough in-cave on the sink, then I, I put my head underneath and let it go. I was a cup guy today. Shallow I- sink? It was a shallow sink. Yeah, But whenever I'm hungover, usually my move is to just let the water hit me in the face and drink it at the same time. Sometimes I'll just get in the shower and open my mouth while the water's like, I did that today, me. too. I did that today, too. And even though it was warm water, you just... It still feels so good. Yes, it does. What were we talking about? Things that refresh us. Oh, that's right, yeah. Cold beer. You know After you know be the refreshing? Something? You don't think beer's refreshing? I, I really don't think beer is that refreshing. Really? No. I okay. love. Don't give me the, the, the before people jump on, I, I love beer. You know I love beer. But I wouldn't put it in the category as refreshing. I don't know. I know a lot of people think that, but. What if you cut your, cut your grass, and it's 95 degrees, and you're out there for 45 minutes, and you're dripping sweat, and you get on your deck, and your dad's waiting there and says, thank you, son, thank you for cutting the grass, and he gives you an ice-cold, pilsner you're telling me that's not refreshing i mean okay at that situation it's probably going to taste refreshing i'm also not going to turn down my dad handing me a beer that's like a a mortal sin but i think i'd much rather have a like a cup of water right a glass a cup a glass a cup of water an ice cold cup of water an ice cold glass of water don't you think that would be better it would be yeah exactly but i i see what you mean you're not going to hate the beer best beer deck beer Grill beer, grill on the deck beer, football game beer, tailgate beer, baseball game beer. What's the best beer? Wow, I know. You didn't even say beach beer, which is definitely up oh there. beach beer. You got the three. ocean, you got the ocean in front of beach you, beer's your top toes three. Are in the sand, you get the breeze going. You tell me that's not refreshing and relaxing. Give me a break. I would probably have to go with the deck beer. You just got back from the beach. You just finished in your shower. Put on your nice clothes for the night, you know, a nice polo, some some nicer shorts. You're on the deck. The grill's going. You smell the meat cooking. You crack open that beer. Sun's going down. You smell the ocean breeze. That's the best beer. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. what's your best beer? Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The reason I ask is we're at Dino's in La Trobe, and they do the ice-cold glasses, and the chilled mugs, it's just, it's the way to go. It makes it that much more refreshing. Come on by, say hello, we'll be here till 9 o'clock tonight on ESPN Pittsburgh. I'll be on till 7.30. Wes Euler, my buddy, will be taking over with my other friend, Matt Williamson. At that point, they'll both be joining me at 7 o'clock. Ed Bouchette got run over today at Steelers' practice by Damone Patterson. And I think he was a splinter cell for Antonio Brown. I think he paid the guy, said, hey, you're probably not going to make the roster. Here's a couple K. Go out there, you take Ed Bouchette. And I, hey, it was a good move by A.B. But it got me to thinking, not just that, but the whole A.B. Ed Bouchette BS. Do you need your athletes to be good people off the field? Do you need to like them off the field? Or is their performance on the field enough for you to bow down and buy the jerseys and cheer for them? Because for me, I've always – separated athletes from what they do on the field and what they do off the field. You'd rather a guy be a good person. Sidney Crosby's a great guy. Mark andre Fleury was a great guy. Cam Hayward's a great guy. Stephon it's a tremendous human being. I think Kevin Colbert's a really nice person. I think all of those guys are great, and it does make me like them more. But Sean Rodriguez is a good dude, and he sucks at baseball. So... Where does your fandom lie? Do you need the guy to be good? Do you need the guy to be nice? does it matter if he's bad. If he's nice, doesn't matter if he's mean. If he's very good, let me know. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Let's go to Mr. Richard now on the Crowley Show. Let's talk about refreshing beer. Hello, Mr. Richard. I didn't
1: know you were talking about refreshing beer. I thought you said the things that refresh
2: you. Yeah, give me something that refreshes you.
1: Something that refreshes me but I ride there is just when you're on know, an airplane. And you're sitting there and the next thing you know, you hear the power call down and say, Flight seven fifty three, uh you down to runway fifteen, and get ready for takeoff. Then a few minutes later you hear come back on again and says, All right, flight seven fifty three, hit it. You're ready to go down the runway seven one, run, oneway fifteen. And when I those engines wheel and it just starts bouncing down the uh, the runway, there's nothing that puts a goosebumps me on me than sitting there in the window and watching that thing bounce down the runway again. That's how it
2: looks like. That is pretty cool, and I appreciate the call. I, I do wonder if that's refreshing, though. Not so much relaxing. Wait but a minute. Refreshing. Wait <laughs> that, that doesn't fit for me, I don't think. He just think. said the most refreshing thing to him was when a plane takes off? Yes. I, I will say. He needs a new I, definition of what refreshing means. I hate flying, I love takeoff. It's so exhilarating. It's like you're going on a throw ride at an amusement park. Yes, it is. I get dizzy every time, though, but that's why I get just pissed drunk beforehand. When you're bouncing down the runway, that is a nice feeling, especially for the women. Coming up next, Matt Geica. He'll join us to talk about all the things we just talked about, the nuances of Ed Bouchette versus Antonio Brown. Not so much about the refreshment or bouncing up and down on an airplane. It's the Crowley Show
0: is the Adam Crowley Show. Oh, no, 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 no. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the Radio app.
2: John Meese tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. WTF did that last guy say? Braden says, I love Mr. Richard. I wish he'd call in more often. He's coming in pretty hot lately. About once or twice a week we're getting Mr. Richard... He's one of the favorite callers of the program because he's so off the friggin' wall. One of his most refreshing things is watching an airplane take off. I mean, that's just... Hey, to each their own. Wes said that biting into a juicy burger on a hot summer day is refreshing. I think that's true. How about those freeze pops? That's pretty refreshing. You know what I love? Refreshment can come in different ways. I like being on my deck in the fall. And you have... Great call. Maybe a warmer beverage a cup of coffee in the morning when it's like 65 degrees and the and the wind mm. blowing that's pretty darn good too. Uh, that's pretty refreshing to me. Crisp I, fall air. Oh there's nothing better than crisp fall air mm. is there? Mm. Football and, season? No sir. Oh well that's what that's what's great about that is it's nostalgic every single time. Anytime there's a nice fall breeze, I think of college football. I was up in Deep Creek about a month, 2 months ago now at this point, And it's a little cooler up there. It's up the Matins, and it's off the lake. Or the creek, whatever the hell you want to call it. And in the morning there, it's like 57 degrees. And I thought, oh man, it feels like a West Virginia Saturday. I can't wait to be disappointed in about eight hours. Obviously, I wasn't. Because it wasn't a real college football Saturday. Joining us now to discuss the Ed Bouchette-Antonio Brown saga and more is our good friend Matt Geica. Matt, how you doing today?
1: I think I'm doing better than you if the cheese tease is any indication. You didn't look great there. You're a little sleepy.
2: I may or may not have had a 1,000 beers last night.
1: (laughs) Well, you're on the air. You're doing your job. That's all that's important, right?
2: Well, that segues nicely into what I wanted to talk about, in fact, Matt Geica. Uh, And that is Antonio Brown and some of the things that he has done or not done this week. Four and a half hours late at Children's Hospital. And then yesterday, he's tweeting about Ed Bouchette being a clown and I wonder: Is it enough for an athlete to just be an athlete, or do they also have to maintain some sense of decorum on, or pardon me, off the
1: field? Uh, yeah, I think it's enough for an athlete to be an athlete, but you also have to understand that uh, when you're of the profile of Antonio Brown, everything you do is going to be scrutinized. And with regard to the Children's Hospital thing, we've heard many times that he's often late for for appearances like this, and. Maybe if it's a car wash or a Dick's Sporting Goods, it doesn't um, resonate as much as Children's Hospital. So um, he's just got to take all the blowback that he gets for this stuff, and uh, a lot of it is deserved. I don't get the Ed Bouchette thing either. Uh, Like, he's never (laughs) seen a reporter tweet about something he did at practice. So uh, I'm not sure he'll ever uh, address that publicly, but that's also Um, you know a a bad look for him as well but does he really care I, I highly doubt it just judging from his public behavior over the years
2: should he care or should he continue to go out there and catch 100 balls a season and his popularity amongst Pittsburgh Steelers is higher than anybody else's even despite all this stuff which screams to me that no matter what kind of person you are off the field as long as you do it enough on the field people are just gonna turn away they're not gonna care not that it's breaking news
1: well, that's true to an extent, but I think also he might be missing out on having that all-time legendary status. Mm. If you are a good person and if you do give back and um, if you mind your um, your business in I uh, well, I don't want to call it a proper fashion, but a fashion that most people appreciate, then you can elevate beyond athlete to uh, a status like that of Mario Lemieux, for instance. I think right. he's a pretty good example of that, right?
2: Roberto Clemente. He's not
1: just a- He's not just an all-time great athlete and an all-time great Pittsburgh athlete, but he's a Pittsburgh institution. And if you want to look at it just from that selfish point of view, perhaps Antonio could tidy some things up because there are other opportunities there and there's a, a way to be even more beloved than he is right now.
2: Here's what's frustrating to me with Antonio. He's always been pleasant to get along with in the locker room. Uh, they, Dale Lawley and Jerry Dulac did a show with him on TV. He'd be late a lot, but he was very engaging and uh, and he behaved himself, if you will, uh, whenever he was there. Uh, I don't think he's a bad guy. I, I think he might somewhere along the way have been misled. He might not be hanging out with the best people. Uh, and it, it is it is upsetting to see because man, he's so dynamic, and you need these dynamic personalities, I think, in, in sports. And there are so many good things that Antonio Brown does do that kind of get overshadowed by that. I mean, he donated $100,000 to Pittsburgh's Children's Hospital, and people don't remember that because he doesn't show up until four and a half hours after he got there.
1: Well, I think you touched on something that might be true if I had to make a guess uh, about his his inner circle. There's probably no one in there who can tell him, you know what, A.B., that was stupid, and, and you need to uh, fix that some way. He's probably the alpha dog in that circle, and... Uh, for, for some guys, that works. For some athletes, for some high-profile people in the entertainment or whatever other industry you want to point out, that can work. But for other people, they need someone to, to play a, a, a check to their, um, you know, to their ego or to their id, whatever you want to say there. <laughs> and Antonio, no doubt, makes football more fun. He makes following the Steelers more fun. Um, and he makes the Steelers a heck of a lot better um, than if he were on another team. But uh, there are these other things that that can detract from his performance. And it has bothered teammates in the the locker room. We talked about uh, Ben Roethlisberger last year after the cooler throwing incident. Um, You know, other situations, the Facebook Live in the locker room after the win at Kansas City in the playoffs. Those are things that have bothered the team, too. So you can make a case that it's in the team's best interest as well that – I don't know if it needs to be a teammate, but it might need to be someone that he has the respect for on the field to uh, to tell him to tighten up. But then again, if Ben Roethlisberger is not going to do the, the job in that regard, then maybe he's just unreachable at this point.
2: Matt Geica joining us here on the Crowley Show. I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about Tiger Woods and what he was able to do this weekend. I know you're a big golf guy. Uh, my fear for Tiger is that he's now expected to win a major after having been in contention on Sunday for two straight. And I don't think that's fair given everything that he's gone through. I know that he continues to set new expectations for himself with the media and with the fans by how well he goes out there and performs. But that being said, I don't think the expectation should be that he wins. I think we should marvel in what he was just able to accomplish.
1: Yeah, there are two different ways to look at it, right? And number one is uh, what you might be perceiving there, that the, the expectation level has risen up. And I don't know if I'd blame anybody when you have a guy who had the lead in the final round of the Open Championship last month and then was one off the lead and shot uh, 600 par to make a real final round charge at the PGA Championship. Those are two different kinds of golf courses. Those are two different kinds of approaches to, uh, to going after a, a championship, a major championship. And he, he excelled at both in, in varying ways. I'd say it was even more encouraging to see him chase after, um, a guy like Brooks Kepka and almost drag him down. So, um, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Tiger Woods fan and if you're a golf fan in general, it just makes things more interesting. So I love about golf is the cross generational aspect. You can have a 40 something play against a 20 something and they're pretty darn close in the end. Uh, but I always took 2018 as a bonus, and from Tiger's public comments, I think he has treated it that way yes. too. And maybe it's the the rehab mentality there. He's used the word "blessed" a lot, and I'm not sure he ever said that word in his first 40 years of existence.
0: Um, he's
1: definitely a different guy these days, and and not taking anything for granted as he shouldn't. After you have your uh, your back fused, uh, something that a high level golfer has never really gotten through. So. It's uncharted territory. I'm still not comfortable saying that he's definitely going to win a major, but he's right back in the mix for, you know, top ten players in the world, for Ryder Cup consideration, for for just being there on the leaderboard. And at this time last year, after all that he went through, I had pretty much given up on that, just if only to spare myself the disappointment when it didn't happen.
2: Let's do a little – a couple hypotheticals here, Matt. Matt. If he had stayed healthy, I think he passes Jack Nicklaus. I don't think there's a doubt about that given the way he's performing right now. Let's pretend that that would have been the case. And let's pretend that if he comes back next year playing the way he is, that he'll win the Masters. What's more satisfying as a fan, seeing him just blow through Jack or seeing him after the rehabilitation, after everything that he's gone through, come back and win the Green Jacket?
1: I think uh, the latter is more satisfying It's Me more too. enjoyable. It's that redemption arc that we're all so familiar with, whether in life or sports. And I find myself pulling for him even more than I ever thought possible because I feel like he's made an honest effort to be a better human being, to be a good dad, uh, to be a better person, to uh, to be a, a better uh, colleague, if you want to put it that way, or fellow competitor with his fellow golfers on the PGA Tour. The old Tiger would not have been sitting there waiting for – the winner to come to the clubhouse so he could shake his hand and give him a bro hug. So things have changed in that way. And it's cool to see the evolution of Tiger Woods as this unstoppable Terminator type for the first 15 years of his career to a more vulnerable, maybe more susceptible to to flaws and to big mistakes. But that almost adds stakes to it for me. And uh, I have just, I've appreciated this run so much. It's been such a value added type of a summer Uh, for me as a golf fan and as a a Tiger follower from way back, so um, it's easy for me to say because I didn't have to go through the public humiliation, the back surgery, the rehab, all that, but I've I've loved every second of it so far.
2: Matt Geica joining us here on the Crowley Show. As for Tiger Woods, I think it's uh, appropriate to kind of liken him to Antonio Brown. Uh, Both guys can be unlikable off the field, and Yesterday, I spent a long time defending Tiger Woods because professional athletes, I don't sign up for them to be role models for my kids. If they are, that's the bonus. Do you think that people should be looking up to sports figures as role models?
1: Um, should they? I guess that's questionable. You have to make the right choices. And I, I thought <laughs> I thought as a teenager coming up and playing golf uh, that Tiger Woods is good of a person to follow. But to your point, I didn't really follow him. Because he was a great dude, I followed him because he was awe-inspiring, and I thought I could follow uh, or, or look up to him in that way in the realm of golf. But now maybe with uh, the apparent character change he's gone through, it's a different type of, uh, mm-hmm. of a role model situation. I think any time you put um, someone up on a pedestal, though, whether it be in your life or uh, in the public eye, then uh, you're taking a risk, right? It could be your, your father, your mother, it could be uh, your relative, it could be a good friend. Um, you know, we're all fallible in our own ways, so role model is one thing. I think if you can keep it specific, and if you – let's say with Antonio Brown, what a great role model in terms of work ethic, right? right. Um, g- getting drafted so low, and to this day, if there if there were an athlete that you could excuse perhaps taking a couple of days off in training camp, it would be him at this point, his stature, but he doesn't do it. He keeps wanting to at least maintain his, his stature, if not increase it, so – um, you, you just have to make these decisions for yourselves. And maybe if you're uh, if you're a parent or whatever and you talk to your kid about it, you say no one's perfect, but here's a trait at least that you can look at. And uh, that's probably the approach I'm going to take with uh, with our little son and uh, if any other little guy could come along, because otherwise you are setting yourself up for disappointment inevitably.
2: Well, because of that, because there are people and children that do look up to these athletes, because it does happen absolutely, does the athlete then have a responsibility to at least make note of that and and, and to, on some level, kowtow to that? Um, I, I don't think so personally. I think you've got to live your own life the way that you best see fit, but uh, I, I think that me personally, if I were in that position, I'd have a hard time not doing everything I could with my position of power, with my uh, position on the public stage.
1: Well, that's the thing. We can only speak for ourselves, right? And I would feel if I were in that elevated of a position uh, with uh, the fame I've garnered from whatever spot I was in, whatever profession I was in, I would um, absolutely feel the pressure to be a good human being, to have integrity, to practice what I preach. It would, it would all be amped up to a whole different level. So in that way, I don't envy so many of these athletes, especially, since that's what we're talking about today. We'll stick with that. Uh, Just because of the the pressures of the sport, and uh, a lot of times uh, the pressures of that stage can overcome you, and maybe we as humans aren't meant to um, perform on these stages in that way. Uh, Maybe it's it's inevitable that there will be some slippage in some area of our lives that we'd rather not, so um, it's hard for me to judge, but me personally, yeah, I'd want to be that person who was great on the field and also great in the community uh, just because um, I had that that personal pride, and I'd want to have people be proud to know me, and people that I grew up with before I got to be famous, I would want them to um, to continue to, to want to affiliate themselves with me. So that's where my motivation would come from there.
2: I'm proud to know you, Geica. Appreciate you taking the time <laughs> well, as <thank> always.
1: <laughs> I appreciate you, and I we'll hope you get a more restful evening tonight.
2: Uh, there's no doubt that I will. I'll be watching <laughs> Hard Knocks and then falling deeply to sleep. Thanks again, buddy.
1: You got it. Talk to you soon.
2: Yes, sir. There he goes. That's Matt Geica of of DKPittsburghSports.com. I almost said that's not true. Of Pittsburgh Sports now, Pirates Prospects. He writes for a whole bunch of different places, and he's got a new venture that's starting up in the near future, which I may or may not be involved in. And we'll talk about that when the time is right. Coming up next, it's the hottest take of the day. It's the three stars of the show. It is ESPN Pittsburgh
0: is the Adam Crowley Show. Oh, I like him. (laughs) He's a handsome guy. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM.
2: People keep asking me what my biggest takeaway from Steelers camp is, and I think my biggest takeaway is just happened right now. It's Matt Williamson sitting to my left, and instead of dumping the salad dressing on the salad... He goes bite after bite and dips it in the dressing. Tom, is this strange behavior? Not strange behavior at all. Really? Is that what you do? I don't do that, but I've seen people subscribe to that method, and I approve of it. Williamson says he was in a dipping mode, though, because he did get the boneless wings here at Dino's, where we're going to be... Until 9 o'clock tonight, well, they will be. I'll be here till 7.30. I'll help kick things off, get the energy flowing. I'm a starting pitcher, but I don't have the arm strength, or I haven't built up my arm enough to be able to go the full nine, so they'll take over after that. Uh, we'll get to other crap and three stars of the show in a little bit, but I want to explore this a little bit further. Tom, you, you, you've you seen this happen before? Yeah, not only with uh, salad, but I've seen people would order maybe, like, say, General Tso's chicken, and they ask for the sauce on the Stop side it. in the bin Stop so it. that they dip the meat in the Stop sauce it. so that the sauce doesn't over-sog the chicken and the meat. Do you ever see people eat a cheeseburger, and then they dip it in ketchup? That's weird, too. Uh, I do that, but only if there's, like, some extra no. ketchup on no, 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 I put ketchup on the burger. But, like, you know, you finish the fries before the burger. You see maybe some extra ketchup on the, the plate. You, you dip the ke- the burger in the ketchup a little bit. I think it's odd when people slice pizza. Oh, that's... Like, with a fork and knife? Yeah, that's some mental stuff right there. I don't like it. I don't no, like that I don't that like at it all. either. I honestly want to just, like, slap the pizza out of their face if they do that. What like are some other to eat pizza. What are some other weird food things, Tom, that you've encountered in your day? Wow. Um, I put ketchup on my mac and cheese. What the hell do you do that for? Not on every mac and cheese. It has to just be craft mac and cheese. How much are we talking? Uh, I've create an outer ring, then an inner ring, and then kind of like a little nipple in the middle. No way. And then I mix it all together. You got to mix it. Oh. You mix it together. It gives it like kind of like a tomato, oh. tomatoey sauce on the outside of it. The, Why would you do that? It's delicious. I guarantee if you try it, you'll love it. How did you start that, though? How do? You, how does one discover that? Like Dale puts. Ketchup and his cottage cheese. Oh my god, that made me throw up in my mouth. That's disgusting. Bit. I've seen him do it. Well, cottage camp. cheese alone is gross. So yeah, cottage cheese itself is a food faux pas. It, it doesn't. It look like it's like growing mold on it already. Isn't that it, like, Isn't that, like that what it is though? Isn't like Isn't it like, is curdled, it? Isn't it like oh. curdled cheese? Like, why are we it? eating this? I don't know why we're eating. I don't. Don't get me started on yogurt either. It's just bacteria. Ugh, disgusting. You know, I used to eat Greek yogurt all the time because it's good for you. It's the worst tasting thing. It's just chalk. See, yog- it's just disgusting. Yeah, see, yogurt for me, I used to eat it a lot too back in college, and at first you're like, oh, this is good. They have different flavors of it. You know, they got like banana creamsicle, but it just it, – the flavor is too much after a while, right? Like you turn yourself off on it almost. I have seen people – cut-up candy bars, too. What? Like Mr. Pitt in uh, yes. Seinfeld? Yes. Oh, you know what? That might be where I got that from. <laughs> yeah, that's a Seinfeld episode. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's <laughs> not true. You know what my grandma does? And she swears by this. I've never tried it. Maybe you have. Have you salted your beer? No. That's a thing she does. She salts huh. her beer. Yeah, uh, with beer, I've I've heard the you put a pretzel in the beer gets the the carbonation the fizz to kind of go down. Well, that's probably what it is. Then with the I'm, salt, yeah, yeah, that's probably what. it have is. Have you ever heard of the uh, you take uh, your finger, you take a little nose sweat and you swirl it in the beer to get the foam to go down? No, yeah, nice never little heard trick. Of that. If you get a little extra foamy beer, just take a little I nose never sweat, heard of that. put it in your beer and spin it around. That's wild. Williamson's trying to talk to me. He's not wearing a headset. I have no idea what the hell he's saying. He just looks like a he just looks like a fool over here. My grandma salts her cantaloupe, too. My grandma salts everything. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, she's putting she, salt on everything She, she salts mainly. her butter. <laughs> like the, She leaves her butter out on the table. So when you go to her house and you want to eat something, you say, hey, I want to get some butter on that. And you just take a scoop of butter. Do you salt your corn on the cob? Yeah, I salt my corn on the cob. That's not weird. That's okay. what you're supposed to do. You butter that chiz. You see, too. I just recently learned about the salt on the corn on the cob, and it's amazing. But I thought it was weird at first. How did you just learn I about just that? I just learned about it. That's what you do. I, mean, I don't know. I, I was a strictly popcorn. I was a strictly yes. butter guy. Williamson hopped on the headset just real to quick Just tell here. me that well, I'm were an idiot. We talking
0: grandma stories, my, my grandma eats, or used to, she lived to be 102, Jesus. onion sandwiches. Oh, just yeah. onions and bread? I mean, when she grew up, they didn't have much money, apparently, in the Depression and whatnot. But she'd go out back, pull an onion out <sighs> of the garden, big old sucker, cut it like it's steak, put it on wheat bread with mustard. Arrgh. Oh! Uh, kills anything that bo- that harms you. Does A lot. They ate a lot of Brunschweiger, too when they were young. My dad real. loved that. Oh. Brunschwager. My dad loved that. Olive loaf. Ugh. That's did you? Stuff. Is that the cheese? Which one's Brunchwagger? There's a meat in the cheese. Limburger. Limburger cheese. They eat Limburger with Brunschweiger. Ugh. That's that's stinky. Limburger's yes. stanky. You know what we did at a fraternity? You take Limburger cheese and you pour it all around the rim of a toilet and then you blindfold the pledges. And there's bananas floating in there. So they have to, like, pick up something from the toilet that's smelly and eat it for the fraternity. Oh.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys are vicious! That's too far. That's horrendous! And they smack it out of their hand. Why would you do that? Oh my god! Stinky as could be. Oh, at least yeah. it's banana whenever they start chewing, though. But yeah, they, they grab them. Floating banana that's been there all day. Uh, all oh, crazy. so
2: it, it's a banana that's been it's sitting. Soft it's still in the toilet. You're so
0: it looks like it. It feels like a turd. I suppose. The, I yeah.
2: get it. Hey, I get it. Yeah, I understand. Right, right, right. Yeah. That yeah. is uh, <laughs> that is disgusting. That
0: is uh, that is not right. I just could help. I Let me yeah, t- take the headset it. off now. I'll be on yeah. plenty before. Yeah, get the hell out of here. Great show you got here. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>
2: Appreciate <laughs> it. That's Matt Williamson will be doing a show with him coming up. Uh, At 7 o'clock, he'll be on until 9 here at Dino's. It's time for the hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. (laughs) Day, day, day. (laughs) I've been right all along. As it relates to the Steelers' backup quarterback, quote, competition... Anybody who's been here, anybody who knows anything about the team, knew that Landry Jones was going to be the two. Today, I saw a couple of people and heard a couple of people from the station across the street saying, this just confirms it, this confirms Landry Jones as the bona fide number two, it's all settled, it's been settled the whole damn time. The only thing this does for me is make me feel a little bit bad for Josh Dobbs. Because if Landry's the bona fide number two, Mason Rudolph's going to make this roster. Josh Dobbs, eh, he doesn't really have a shot unless they keep four guys. And with the way that the roster is constructed, uh, with some of the guys that you don't want to see them cut, I don't think you're going to see them keep four quarterbacks. Can you sneak him onto the practice squad? Maybe, but I'm sure there's a team out there that liked him enough in the draft that might try to take a flyer on him. The best option, as we keep saying, is him getting hurt. And we'll see if he does, in preseason game number four, stub his toe or break his pinky or get some dust in his eye. The hottest take of the day was me being right. It's time for Other Crap. Woo! Other Crap. The Catholics are convicts. Woo! Other Crap. Been six hundred and twenty days since Pit Basketball won a conference game. What another crap. <laughs> I mean that one. You can't you can't do any more after that, right? No, you leave it you leave it be. You just let it sit. I'm surprised you even brought it up. It's time for the three stars of the show. Tonight's third star of the show, hangovers!
1: I think I'm doing better than you if the cheese teas is any indication. You didn't look great there. You're a little sleepy.
2: I may or may not have had a thousand beers last night.
1: Well, you're on the air.
2: Tonight's second star of the show, Ed Bouchette. Damone Patterson ran over Ed Bouchette at Steelers training camp today, the last day of Steelers training camp, and I imagine that it's because he was a splinter cell for Antonio Brown trying to take him out. And your first star of the show, takeoff. I hate flying. I love takeoff. It is so exhilarating. It's like you're going on a throw ride at an amusement park. Yes, it is. I get dizzy every time, though, but that's why I get pissed drunk beforehand. When you're bouncing down the runway, that is a nice feeling, especially for the women. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad today, Tom. Not bad. Better than I thought it would be after drinking all those hundred beers last night. What's your your hangover cure? What do you do when you're hungover, Tom? Go to McDonald's, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, any fast food grease restaurant. Grease it up. Grease it up. and But the, the key ingredient to it, you got to get the milkshake. you got to go with the large milkshake. You need some of that ice cream in your body, too. Trust me. I wake up after a night of drinking, and I chug a bottle of water, pop two Advil, go back to sleep for a couple of hours, and then whenever I'm functional enough, I go out and I have another beer. It's it's the, the only door. thing I can do. Tonight the Buccos they're taking on the Twinkies. Jameson Tyon should be the best he's ever been. Because he got the biometric rest that the Pirates prescribed for him. Fired up about that. They should take two or two against the Twins. Especially when you've got Tyon and Archer going. We'll see how it goes. You can't be losing games against bad teams this time of the year. You just can't. Coming up next, it's Matt Williamson and Wes Euler. I'll be Hanging around for a little while. It's the final show from Dino's Inlay Trobe for Steelers Training Camp 2018.